0: Hello, and welcome to Leading the Way. This is Kevin Robinson Jr., and I will be your host in this podcast series where we discuss leadership and culture building with leaders in our Mount St. Mary's University athletics community. Home to over 450 Division I student athletes and 22 Division I athletic programs, the Mount strives to develop ethical leaders who lead lives of significance. We would like to welcome today's guests, Director of Mount St. Mary's Cross Country Track and Field, Jay Phillips, Mount Class of 2005 and Seminary Class of 2008. Under Coach Phillips' tutelage, the track and field team and cross country teams have reached new heights it has not reached in over 20 years. In the spring of 2018, the men's outdoor team won the Northeast Conference Championship for the first time since 1997. And in the fall of 2018, the men's cross-country team won the Northeast Conference Championship for the first time as well since 1997. And to follow that up, this past winter, the women's indoor team also won the Northeast Conference Championship for the first time since 1998. Jay? Thank you for joining us today, and congratulations on the recent success of your program.
1: I appreciate it. Thank you. I'm excited to be a part of this.
0: Nah, I mean, we're ready to get going, and if you are, and so as we get started, can you walk us through your journey to your current uh, position at the Mount?
1: Yeah. You know, one thing with everybody has that, that's involved in the Mount, either student or employee, most of them have a story, and, and a lot of the stories involve um, either normal things or extraordinary things. Mine honestly, I wanted a division one school, um, where I could major in theology. And, and that was the Genesis. And then I remember driving down 15 South with my mother. Uh, I get out by the apartment parking lot. It was foggy. And as soon as we step out, I see this big golden statue of Mary sort of picking up through the fog. And I was like, mom, this is where I'm going to school. She's like, well, wait a minute, don't you want to see it first? I was like, of course, mom, of course I want to see it. I want to see where I'm going to school. So, uh, so that's how it got started. And then, uh, obviously ran here. Um, uh, Jim Stevenson hired me as, as an assistant coach, uh, when I graduated, Uh, I worked with him for almost a decade as his assistant coach and associate head coach, um, left the Mount, believe it or not, for a year, uh, had a head coaching opportunity at Belmont Abbey college. And then six months into to that position, the, the head coaching position opened up here. So I was gone 10 months, came back, uh, as the head coach here. Uh, and this is starting my fifth year back and we've grown and expanded and had some success. And, um, uh, the mounts invested a lot in this, in this program. So, um, uh, when you have a 120 men that men and women that show up for practice every day, suddenly you become a director of cross country track and field. So, uh, so that's, uh, that's where I am. That's how I got here.
0: Um, let's talk a little bit about Jim Stevenson and also yes. Jim Deegan. You know, they, they were your coaches that when you ran here and they were coaches, uh, when you were assistant coaches and coach Deegan's still, still around, He's still around, He's still around. uh, what type of impact do they have on your leadership style, your leadership skills, both as a student athlete, and now as a coach.
1: Well, tremendous, right? So, uh, Jim Stevenson recruited me here, and Jim Deegan was was my coach uh, when I was here. He coached the decathlon, um, the pole vault, and, and the sprinter. I was a quarter miler, so uh, Deegan was my coach for four years, and um, you could just tell for for both of them, they just poured all of themselves into us as athletes. Like they just cared for us. Uh, we were never stats uh, whether we were hurt or winning the conference, they just poured their life out for us. And, and when you're on the receiving end of that, if you're, if you're paying attention, that can be very, very formative and transformative. So for me, even, even as a college student, it just, it taught me to to do that for other people. Um, uh, so I don't know. I, and then working with both of them, uh, I saw it up close with Jim Stevenson when I was his associate head coach in terms of watching him do that behind the scenes, it was even more, um, more dramatic and more inspiring. It's oh, awesome. I mean, they're two unbelievable people
0: and two legends here at Mount St. Mary's. Now you've created and established a strong living, breathing culture within your track and field program. What do you feel are the key components to the strength of your culture?
1: You know, I get, I think about this a lot. I get asked about it every once in a while. And uh, is it too early a podcast to say the word metaphysics? Is that, is that sort of, uh, ah, we'd we like to bring metaphysics yes, in as yes, early as possible. Of course, great. So, you know, it, it, uh, you know, honestly, the, the, the driving force is in my mind, um, my sincerely held beliefs and the beliefs, beliefs of my coaching staff in, in, what we believe about the nature of sport, and in what we believe about the nature of, of the human person, right. Our, our, our colleagues and our athletes. And, and ultimately that's, that's where it starts, you know? So, um, if you're going to do college athletics, everything you do from practice to your competition, to your preparation in every single present moment, it has to be about striving for that athletic excellence, right? If you're a javelin thrower, everything you've got to do has got to be, you know, Trying to throw this this javelin further, um, uh, trying to beat your competition, right? So it's striving for athletic excellence, striving for uh, for those championships. Uh, on the flip side, you know, when you get to your and my age, right, you're not going to be able to throw anything very far anymore. You, know, you can't run very fast. You can't. You know. You know. It's. It's. I don't know about you. I can
0: still run pretty you're not, fast. Uh, yeah, you're,
1: <laughs> you're lucky. You're one of the fortunate ones. But, uh, um, you know, so so. It's it's fleeting, right? I mean, at some point, every athlete gets to the age where they just can't do it anymore, and and that's when you realize this 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 striving for excellence it ought to be oriented towards something something that's not fleeting, right? And for us, that's that's forming the human person, right? So this this present moment of striving for athletic excellence, of trying to win these titles, um, that present moment always has to be oriented toward making sure that these 22 year olds, when they leave Mount St. Mary's, they're better than when they were 18 coming in. And that's, you know, that these, these firm beliefs about sport really impacts everything we do. You know, the, the other side is this, what we believe about the human person, what we believe about our athletes, right? So they are worth us laying our lives down for they're worth it. We believe that they can change, right? That, um, Uh, Even when they make mistakes, they can change, they can get better, they can grow. Uh, We believe,
2: sorry, go ahead. Real quick, um,
0: that's a great point that you bring up. We believe in them. How do we get them to believe in themselves? Yeah. And I think that's a key component in leadership is getting them, empowering them to have that belief in themselves. So what are some things that you guys do to get these 18 year olds, 19 year olds, 20 year olds to, to believe in themselves and have that similar belief that you have in them?
1: Man, it's, you know, some, some come with it and you just sort of fine tune it. Uh, some, some don't come with it at all. And so, you know, one aspect of our, of our program is actually we, we train their intellect and will, right? So every coach has this physical training plan, you know, trying to teach someone how to catch a ball or, or you know, make this certain kick or for us how to, you know, hit certain positions in different events. Um, we actually have an explicit training plan on how to train their belief system and how to cultivate the will to, to accomplish certain things. So, you know, in, a, in uh, the first couple of weeks, uh, we actually sit down and we, we spend time as a team exploring and cultivating everyone's on the teams, their, their gifts, right? So some of us on the team, they're just tough as nails and other ones on the team, they're wired to be really empathetic and pick people up when they fall. And other people are wired to, to help organizationally and, and to help get the team on the same page and at different times, we're going to need all of those. And so, and so how, whatever your gifts are, use those gifts to make us better. And so, you know, it's important that everyone on this team recognize that they have gifts, and those gifts can actually make us a better, uh, a better cross-country track and field team. Um, and we go through a series of exercises that really sort of, sort of bring these out, that, that actually they can't help but believe that they're worth it. They have gifts, and they can help us win a title.
0: Now, that's great. Now, when we get back from our sponsorship reads, can uh, we talk more about those, uh, that development of the, of the individual uh, through your plan? Absolutely. All right. We're going to take a quick break and uh,
2: have our sponsorship reads. Beginning as a family-owned Chevrolet dealership in 1972, Criswell Auto Group has blossomed into Maryland's largest group of independent, family-owned dealerships outside of the Washington, D.C. area. Today, Criswell Auto are proud to be a family-owned and operated business that has expanded to three locations, Gaithersburg, Germantown, and Thurmont, Maryland. For nearly four decades, Criswell Auto is proud to have served many generations of families that continue to shop at their dealerships for quality vehicles at affordable prices.
0: All right. Welcome back to leading the way with today's guest, Jay Phillips. When we left off, we were talking about the development of the individual within your program. You know, we've talked about this a lot, um, you know, in our discussions, just informally about your holistic development plan for each of
1: your student athletes.
0: Can you kind of walk us through that uh, holistic development plan and how much that means to your program?
1: Yeah, so this is this is the vehicle, right? I mean, we talked about our, our belief system a little bit earlier, but you know, beliefs need a vehicle to to sort of incarnate themselves. And for us, this is this is our formational, our holistic development plan. And and one key component is is our core values, right? So you know, when we're striving to graduate ethical leaders, you know, uh, ready to serve God uh, and each other. They do that by growing in and developing an ability to live out our core values, right? So selflessness is the foundation of that. This ability to lay down your life for, for someone else. Courage, resilience, endurance, uh, focus. This ability to really dial in on something. Um, integrity, right? The ability to look yourself in the mirror and see what needs to be changed. Um, these core values are are how we grow as people. And each of these core values actually helps us become a better, a better athlete and a better team, right? You you talk to any athlete and selfless, resilient, courageous teams, they're the ones fighting for championships. So um, some of our athletes get assessed weekly on how they live out some of these, these values at practice. You know, are you making courageous decisions when you line up for a really tough rep? Um, If you're having a technical session, are you focused or not? Um, the, the team actually, they do a peer to peer assessment every year. So everyone on the team has the opportunity to assess everyone else on the team in terms of how the, how the, they live these out. And it's really neat to see maybe a freshman get a bunch of C's or D's in some of these event or some of these, you know, assessment tools. And then suddenly junior seniors, they're getting A's and B's and you can actually see the data and the, and the growth they've had in terms of, in terms of their peers. Um, uh, our goal plan. When we sit down and we we assess individual goals for everybody, um, everybody picks one of these core values, and then they they go through a practice goal, a competition goal, an academic goal, and a personal growth goal through. You know, resilience, you know, so what does resilience mean for you academically this semester? You know, what does resilience mean for you um, at practice or at meets or in in your personal life? And so, you know, from goal planning to assessment, these core values end up being the the vehicle for their for their formation. Um, The other part of it is. is actually our spiritual formation plan. I mean, spiritual in terms of intellect and will, right? We, we talked about training their, their belief system and inspiring their will to make, uh, to make certain, certain choices in certain directions, right? Courageous, you know, ability to be in, you know, endure through, through suffering, things like that. Um, uh, And so we meet as a group, uh, small groups, large groups, half a dozen times a semester, as a way to train our intellect and will to be able to perform at, a, at an elite level on uh, um, in our sport. So, and,
0: and it's no wonder you've had the success that you've had with that formation plan. I think, you know, that it really develops the, the student athlete as the whole individual, um, whether it be on the athletic side, the student side, the spiritual side, the emotional side. And um, it's no wonder you have the success that you have. Let's talk about how you adapt, though, and you know how you adapt that plan each year. You, you're going to get a new crop of freshmen that come in, um, anywhere from 30 to 40 incoming freshmen that you have to now mold with that with the current team? And how do you, how do you adapt your holistic formation
1: plan, uh, to, to that, those incoming group? Well, the, the best way to adapt is to every year assess what worked and what didn't work and what didn't work. You just drop, right? It just, (laughs) it just dies. Uh, and what does work, you, you do more of it, right? It, it, it got a response. I mean, one of the big things we're doing this year, since we've grown so much is each event coach is now going to lead us through that, um, uh, that spiritual development plan. So, so instead of me, um, working through it with the entire group, 80 or a hundred, right? Each, each each event group is going to, each event coach is going to actually work through with their smaller group. So the hope is that these conversations that we're having can actually, uh, be more personal to that particular training group. So that's, that's one adaptation that that we're doing. I mean, I tried other type of assessment tools that sort of fell on their face. I tried a virtue a week type thing early on that just didn't work. So we stopped, you know, so I, I mean, I think, um, uh, the biggest thing this year though is, is we're going to try to get the group smaller and have the the event coaches lead (laughs) them.
0: No, that's awesome. And let's get to your, the coaches that you have in your program. You know, you've, you have a great group of, uh, of coaches from Chris Simons to uh, Maddie Middles to Josh Poole, um, even D- DJ uh, Workup, uh, coming back after a strong year last year um, or two years ago. Um, you know, you have a great group of, of assistant coaches. Um, talk to me about the leadership skills you're looking for
1: when you're hiring coaches. Oh, man. I mean, I think it uh – I don't know. This it, it, It's sort of not, not many things I feel like I do is, 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 by the book, but honestly, I, uh, at its, at its heart, I need a coach that understands and has a desire to lay down their life for their team. And that can mean being tough with people at times that can mean being empathetic and, and understanding. Um, but I, I need coaches that aren't doing this for themselves. You know, it's not to say you can't, have success and notoriety and, you know, move on to different universities if you want to be there, but, um, uh, but you have to be doing this for them. Um, and you have to be doing this for Mount St. Mary's university. Like if you're doing this for yourself, um, you're just, you're just going to fail in this program. So, so ultimately the, the, the heart of what I'm looking for is, um, is a coaching staff that understands and has a desire to, to lay down their life for, uh, uh, for the people they coach. And that's, that's hard because I mean, being nailed to a cross hurts, right? It's, it's painful. It takes, it it takes courage and endurance and focus even from us as a coaching staff to be able to do it. But that's, um, that's the starting point. I mean, from there we talk about, uh, you know, an ability to be an expert in your event and different things like that, but That's
0: awesome. I I can say you have a world-class group of uh, assistant coaches. We're going to pause right here and take another
2: break for our sponsorships, um, and we'll be right back with uh, Coach Phillips. The award-winning Federal Point Inn, located in the heart of historic downtown Gettysburg, offers both guest rooms and luxury suites to accommodate your every need. Truly one of the best places to stay in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. The Federal Point Inn boasts a friendly atmosphere and a refined elegance that you won't find anywhere else. Their service and attention to detail has made the Federal Point Inn, Gettysburg, Pennsylvania's premier address. Immerse yourself in the charm and rich history of this boutique hotel and book your next visit to campus and stay at the Federal Point Inn.
0: Welcome back, Jay, um, as we continue along our Leading the Way podcast. And, you know, you've, you've received your master's in theology from the Mount. You currently teach in the theology department as well as in the Masters of Sports Management program, so you do a lot here on campus. Um, but we know faith is very important to you. Um, you teach it, you live it, and how has those experiences in theology and your faith in sh- influenced your leadership philosophy?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I honestly think my my educational formation at the Mount uh, is is the driver in um, in what I do, and if some people call that a leadership philosophy then I, I i guess that's it right but it uh um honestly you know the a common critique of of you know a theology major or master's degree or philosophy or other uh, other humanities is they're not very practical and and you know i kind of laugh when i hear that because you know they're in my mind they're the most fundamentally practical so you know having well thought out beliefs about true beliefs about the world, about human beings, how they interact with people, you know, human beings relationship to God or the good or our purpose, right? I mean, this is, this is very practical stuff. And in my life, um, I'm dealing with people all the time and I'm trying to, you know, form them in certain ways. So, so having real refined beliefs about this is actually very practical, you know, so even, even when we come up with a technical progression plan in terms of you know, uh, a sprinter learning an acceleration pattern, right? Um, Knowing about a human being and how they work and how their, their, their body interacts with their will and mind and their belief system. Right. I mean, this is, you're not going to study that anywhere else but theology and philosophy. So, you know, and then certainly as you start getting into the coaching aspects that involves motivation or getting on the same page or, you know, getting them to, to believe that certain things will work for them. Right. I mean, again, I I mean, the only place you're going to study these things is going to be, um, in, in humanities type classes. So, so in my mind, it's, it's, I feel like I have been completely practically prepared to be successful in here from, uh, uh, from my majors. Um, and obviously, you know, you know, between being an athlete and my own studies afterwards, you know, you, you do, you do pick up the necessary skills in terms of, you know, I never hurdled, but you can study a ton and figure out the biomechanics of hurdling and and be successful at it. So there are also practical things that you need to study. But, um, I mean, there's just this direct correlation between, you know, the education I received here and it's, it's practical output every day for me. You talked about relationships, how much,
0: you know, and how important do you find relationships to be in that leadership drive? And it sounds like it's a very important piece of it. And how do you develop those relationships, those key relationship qualities to really get to the student athlete?
1: Yeah. So it's, it's, I think again, at at its fundamental relation or at its its fundamental level, a relationship between me and an athlete is, is built on, um, on us, understanding and actually believing that we're there for each other. Like, like they have to believe that I am willing to lay down my life for them. And I do that as a track coach. Right. Um, and, and they have to want to run really fast. Um, and I have to help them run really fast. And so any, any relationship is built around those sort of core beliefs. And then, and then some relationships, you know, go all sorts of directions, right? Some, uh, um, some end up being sort of more personal than others. And, and, you know, a, as a coach, you know, you just, at least in my mind, you don't force that, right. You let the athletes decide who wants to share whatever with you, whatever. And, um, uh, but you can have great relationships if you understand, you know, I'm here for you. Uh, I trust you, right. Uh, I believe you and let's go do this project together, you know, and that's, uh, I just think that's the, that's the foundation of it all. That's awesome. That's awesome. And
0: now as we wind down, give me your fondest memory at Mount St. Mary's. You've been here since 2001 and saved the 10 months you were at Belmont Abbey. Give Give us your fondest memory.
1: I don't know. There's, there's so many, I mean, I'm pinning you down to okay, one right, all right now. All right, all right. Well, well, one I'll, I'll have to take from a, from a, I guess a personal, uh, a personal one. Uh, my lovely wife would, uh, would have issue if this wasn't my fondest <laughs> fondest memory, but it, 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 it certainly is a, is a good one. So, uh, so I'm in grad school, you know, I'm making dirt and about 90% of that dirt goes to, goes to pay rent. And, uh, uh, I finally scrounge up the, the, the money for this tiny little engagement ring. And, uh, and I trick her into coming up to IC chapel. We used to say when, you know, when we were both undergrads, uh, we used to a couple of days a week, say rosaries together. And, uh, and I asked her, I was like, you know, so let's, you know, let's go say a rosary in IC chapel. We haven't done it in a while. And, uh, so we walk over, we say our rosary and then I'm like, you know, have you ever stood? like close to the the crucifix in the back of the, at the back of the chapel. And she's looking at me like, like, who, you know, who the heck is this guy? Like, why is he? And it's like, she's like, no. And I'm like, well, if you look really close, the detail's amazing. Like how, <laughs> how in the world am I going to you know, get her over there? So, you know, she thinks I'm an idiot. Uh, but, but then we get, you know, we get in front of the crucifix of the back at IC chapel and and that's where I proposed. And, um, you know, you I spent so much time there as a student, um, uh, so much time there with her as a student, we were married in that chapel. So, um, certainly proposing at Mount St. Mary's, that chapel has to be, uh, uh, has to be one of my fondest memories.
0: Well, I, I know your wife's gonna appreciate that. Yes, so, yes. Uh, you know, good job there. You <laughs> uh, get to go home to her. So, yes, you know, yes. that, that's huge. So, <laughs> but hey, I can't thank you enough. And I also want to congratulate you on your Coach of the Year um, honors that you won uh, this past year in 2019. You, uh, yeah. Very much well deserved. And congratulations on all the success you've uh, brought to Mount St. Mary's in the track and field program. And we look forward to, uh, to another huge season uh, here in 2019 and 20. So, thank you very much. Awesome. Thank you, Kevin. Thank you for joining us today, Jay, as we discuss leadership and culture building uh, with you. We are very fortunate to have an accomplished group of coaches and alumni who are ethical leaders that inspire a passion of learning and lead lives of significance and service of God and others. We look forward to introducing more of our Mount leaders to you in future podcasts. Remember, leadership isn't a difference maker. Leadership is the difference maker.
2: Lead the way and go Mount.